There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Welcome to Listen Now, the podcast where we go through the most important and rockinest albums of all time. This season, we're focusing on albums from the 1980s. I'm your host, Matt Stewart, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Sam Tonkin. Welcome, Sam. Hello, Matt. <laughs> oh, that actually hurt. <laughs> I was almost out of breath, so I <laughs> had to go fine. with a change cool. of voice. And we're back up here. Welcome, Welcome. everybody. Oh, so good. Hey, this week, we're talking about Midnight Oil's Diesel and Dust. It's their sixth album. Sixth. And, uh, yeah, geez, they just, I, I didn't realise how many banging hit albums they had. Yeah. It's amazing that this is their sixth album. They I, had I didn't realise it was so late. Hits the whole way through. Yep. Yeah, amazing. Um, so, yeah, much like Cold Chisel, I, I, I know a lot of their songs, but I, I just didn't know where all of them fit in. Yep, very much story. the same for me for the Oils this time around. What was it? What was your uh, experience growing up with the Oils? Uh, well, you already know my history with Triple. And uh, Got a oils. Triple M history. <laughs> Rock radio. Yeah. Triple M. Why do they whisper it? I don't it's know. A mystery. Never knew. Anyway, well, it's because the music rocks so, so hard. hard. Yeah. Yeah. They're gonna whisper the. Don't want to spoil. Yeah. Spoil. Uh, but yeah, listening to Triple M throughout childhood and the oils, along with my boys, Cold Chisel, uh, were always huge features on it. So a, a lot of the hit songs I already knew because of. Uh, the radio, and then yep. my later love for Australian pub rock. Um, but, yeah, delving into the albums themselves, I've never done before, so I'm pretty excited to do this album. Yeah, I think it's uh, probably a, a bunch of our listeners were around uh, and into these guys at the time, but, um, I mean, this album came out before you were born. You were born into the early 90s. I was born in the mid-80s. So we yep. – it's kind of – this season's so much fun going back and um, – like I know the hits from later, mm. but I never, I wasn't around to hear the albums. Yeah, like, when they were. If you know what I mean? Yes. So it is. It's been really fun going back and and full, uh, hearing the albums in full. Uh, I think my experience with them was much like yours. Just hearing, you just they were everywhere. Yeah. I mean, they played at the Sydney Olympics closing ceremony. Oh yeah. But we already. I mean, I already knew them very well by then. Yeah. They were already like veteran rock heroes by then. Plus, I think by the time I was really aware of them, Peter Garrett was in politics. Oh, right. So that was, you know, it's quite a lot later. Yeah. Well, I think I I was into them even before then. I, I got to see them live once just before they Holy shit. Uh, broke up or at least went on hiatus, which is yeah. pretty cool. So I got free tickets to this uh, Triple M festival Mate. called M1. <laughs> 
and they were the oh headliners God. of it. It was a that's a awesome festival of rock, sport, and comedy. My oh, our footy club, the Saints, would yeah had a giveaway. They just said, "Come down to the club if you want tickets." That's amazing. <laughs> so I went down, just got a double pass because they just it did not sell. I think no. it was a huge financial failure. This festival, bummer. Not because of the oils. I think the yeah, I don't know why, but it was just a one of those. There was this time where. Um, there was all these festivals that organically grew to be huge behemoths like uh, the Big Day, Big Day Out and stuff like that. Yep. And then I think a uh, few people thought they could just start it huge. Oh. <laughs> so that's what Triple M just tried to start a huge festival from the beginning. It was at the Dockland Stadium. Oh, God, so f- really? Yeah. That's large. It was, it was weird. Yeah, it was a weird vibe. But their set was awesome. That would have been mad. Uh, and, I yeah, much like a lot of these bands, I think this is the third of – Oh, two, second of three bands so far where I mainly know them from the Greatest Hits yeah. album. <laughs> I remember listening to, there was at some Triple M five, top 500 rock song countdown or something yep. while I was studying for my year 12 exams. Oh, that would have been awesome. And there was all these Midnight Oil songs that I didn't know so well, mm-hmm. like um, not just the big hits that they play all the time. And uh, so I went out and bought the 20,000 what RSL greatest hits oh, soon after excellent. that and absolutely flogged it, flogged Amazing. it so hard. Uh, but that, I mean, because of the way that album's put together, it's not chronological like some greatest hits are. Yeah, okay. So it's all muddled up and, and it further confused me where the songs came yeah. from. <laughs> and then I bought, um, after that I bought the only new album that came out while I was, you know, just starting to become a fan, which is still the last album they've put out. Uh, which was buddy called um, uh, Capricornia, came out in 2002. And oh, I haven't wow. released an album since then. And I really like that album a lot. That had just I've come out when I it. saw them. Maybe it was the, yeah, it was around that time that the M1 Festival was, I think. So they, I remember them playing a few songs off that that were really good. I think I've got head injuries at home on vinyl. Wow. That's vinyl. That's meant to be an absolute classic. I haven't heard it, but that is, I, I know hardcore fans say that is. It's a bit harder and edgier and stuff. So I really want to do a series of Listen Now focusing on the albums of Midnight Oil. Like we I did have season one about absolutely no issues with that Awesome. At all. I think we really think we should do that at some point. That would yep. be great. Keen, lock it in, Eddie. Awesome. So, yeah, so I know I know overall I know sort of the, the, the mainstream. I'm maybe a slightly bigger fan than the average person, but yep. – I'm not a hardcore fan by any means, but I feel like I very much could be. I feel like we will be yeah. once we do the season of them. Awesome. <gasps> Imagine and then they came out for tour and then we could go see them as well. Well, you know what? They were planning it. They were planning new releases, which might still be happening this year and a oh. tour. And I'm like, oh, that would work out so perfectly. But if, well, you know, then who knows if uh, live music, how long oh, until we're allowed to go see it again. Fucking true. But yeah, hopefully. I should say before you get into their um, biography, uh, if people want to know what next week's album is, uh, Sam, you're saying you asked on social media if anyone didn't. It was yes. a mix. So we're gonna we'll let you know, but we'll let you know right at the end. So listen past the um, outro track if you want to hear what next week's if you album want spoilers. is. Spoilers. Yeah, that's for all you uh, preppers. Yeah, which I'm I'm one of you. I yeah. like to. Well, I mean that's what this podcast all about. I would have played this album twenty times in the last week. <laughs> I reckon minimum. Yep. Got to get into it though. Fuck, it's not hard though. It's no, so good. It's so good. Spoilers. This album's yeah, spoilers. very good. <laughs> <laughs> spoilers. We both rate this highly. 
Okay, well, let us know what, what have you found out researching their bio? So they began in Sydney in 1971 um, with the, I think it was the drummer and the maybe original bassist and a couple others, right. and they were called Farm. Just to add to our list of shit band names so, that we've yeah, had through the seasons. So Chisel was, were they Feather? No, no they were some of them were, yeah, they were called Orange. Oh, and some of them came for fe- from right. Feather or was Feather the one that had Bon Scott as a singer and Maybe. Jimmy Barnes and then they both fucked it up? We've learned too much stuff and it's <laughs> already been pushed out of our brains. It's like a sponge. You squeeze it all in and then it's just <laughs> yeah. gone. Huey gone. Lewis and the News were, what were they? They were called... Um, well, he came from a band called Clover. That's right, Hughie. And then they were called Huey Lewis and American Express. Oh, and then they had to change it yes. for the old banking thing. Anyway, um, we're not here to talk about Huey. He keeps getting into our conversations. I've become obsessed a, with Huey. We need a Huey clip like we've got Jimmy coming over the mountains. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, right. Huey's coming through the door. I'm afraid you're just too darn loud. So... They put out a little advert for a an extra member to which Peter Garrett responded um, and became their singer and uh, I think he was a keyboardist or something. Yeah, right. Synthesizerist. Do you know synth- around when that was? 71, 72. He joined it so that, yeah, wow. Yeah. Uh, but they were still called Farm then and they were a, uh, quote, part-time band because um, – Garrett was still studying in Sydney doing his law degree, right? which is hectic, I reckon. Um, but they eventually changed their name uh, in 76, um, drawing their name out of a hat and leaving behind some more cracking names, Television, oh. Sparta, and Southern Cross. Te- <laughs> television is definitely, there's a band called Television. I imagine yeah. all three of those have probably been picked up by others. Really? Oh. I would say television. so. Television. Good old television. The drug of a nation. Um, so they originally started doing a bunch of uh, like Led, Led Zeppelin-y type covers, um, but Peter Garrett brought in some more contemporary rock uh, for the, or more, uh, less trippy rock, I suppose I would think of it. Right. Um, eventually they, you know, they're touring up and down, mostly the East Coast, similar to where uh, all of this Chisel sounds was, very similar to Chisel. Right. Not, um, playing all the surf clubs up right. and down the East Coast in New South Wales pretty much. Yeah, mostly Sydney, mostly Sydney. Their early music was very surfy. Yeah. Oh, it's interesting. So the places they were playing influenced their sound or vice versa, I guess. Bit of both, I and think. And similar to Ch- that's what happened to Chisel, really. Yeah. They were playing the uh, regional um, yeah. cities and that, that bit, bit influenced harder. their sound. And they, But, yeah, they were also playing stuff like Led Zeppelin covers. and yeah. Hard rock covers. Yeah, seems to uh, be the the place to be. And they started up within a couple of years of each other as well. Yeah. Um, also, Midnight Oil came from the Jimi Hendrix song Burning of the Midnight Lamp. Ah. Fun fact. Um, they eventually released a self-titled debut album in 78 and gained... Same as Cold Chisel. And same as Chisel gained a cult following in their homeland despite a lack of mainstream media acceptance. <laughs> um so they they pretty much were not at great odds with the um, with the mainstream media, mainstream music, um, and were very much uh, they were very much given a dismissive uh, response from mainstream rock. Interesting. Um, with uh, they were consistently championed by Sydney rock stations Double J and its FM band successor Triple J. Uh, but otherwise was pretty much ignored by Australia's mainstream commercial radio stations in their early career. 
Um, and their manager, I think his name was like Richard Morris or something, uh, developed a reputation as one of the tough- toughest managers and became notorious for banning critics and journalists uh, who were usually given free admission to concerts uh, but were banned if they wrote unfav- unfavorable <laughs> reviews. Uh, one of the most notable in mid-1980 was uh, writer and critic Bruce Elder wrote Midnight Oil as narrow and xenophobic and declared they were a kind of antipodean bu- pub rock version of Queen Life-denying, sexist, secular, and bigoted with endless touting of Australia and all things Australian. Wow. Um, That's not how I think of them at all. No, that's the literal opposite. Um, But Morris banned uh, old mate Bruce from all oil shows and then Elder later recanted, describing them as the only Australian band to have developed a truly Australian sound. (sighs) Fuck you, Bruce. I mean, that's not true. The only Australian band... It's, it's very, it's very narrow to say that, I thought. Yeah. Um, loves a big call, this guy. It really loves it. Um, so they their frostiness of Midnight Oil's relationship with traditional media, uh, music media, kind of helped the band develop this like street cred uh, and a reputation for making no compromises within the music industry, uh, including in the early 80s. Uh, they were meant to appear on good old countdown. Um, and apparently count, well, no, we do know this countdown requires artists to mime their songs during their quote unquote live performances. Um, but Midnight Oil and Morris insisted that they perform completely live, uh, and have their own sound engineering, uh, supervising, uh, they wouldn't back down on that countdown wouldn't back down on that. And then apparently they arrived late for rehearsal, uh, and due to their, the show's very tight schedule and budget, there was a strict policy that latecomers were then not allowed to appear. Uh, so in response, the group declared that they would never appear on the show, uh, which they, I promise, they faithfully collect, uh, kept. Wow. Um, and then for its final show in, 80, in 1987, uh, Molly Meldrum shaved his head bald, imitating Garrett, and <laughs> expressed regret that Midnight Oil never appeared on the show, <laughs> which was pretty hardcore, I thought. What year was that? 79. Oh, no, 89, sorry. 89, yeah, right. Um, well, they'd been the biggest band in Australia through the mid to late 80s, I guess. Yeah. Or must so have been one of them. It, the album before They Diesel were building Dust, already, but yeah. uh, once uh, Chisel broke up especially, or around that time. Yeah. They were, it seems they very much were running parallel lines with each other, yeah. those two bands, I think. And then once, uh, once Chisel parted, their next three albums, The Oils, went to number one. Yeah. Um, so speaking of 1982, they released 10987654321, which included singles Power and the Passion and Read About It. Um, the album peaked at number three, which was pretty cool. Uh, and their denunciation of American military interference in, in foreign affairs and US forces and their critique of imperialist repression in short memory was all included. Um, and the album remained on the chart. Uh, the Australian charts for 171 weeks. <laughs> so it was, it's pretty big. And then comes Diesel and Dust. Read about such a banger. I mean, so that album that, went that, seven times platinum in Australia. Yep. Seven times. Heck, like it stayed on the charts for 171 weeks. Read about it's one weeks. of my favourite tunes of theirs. But that had, yeah, that was like a mini greatest hits. That had four tracks that were on, oh, four, at least four, I think. Short Memory, Read About It, US Forces, Power and the Passion, they're all songs that I know yep. like the back of my hand and I've never heard that album before. Yeah, like it's I think that album would be cool to do. That's again another reason for us to do a season of yeah. Midnight Oil. 
Um, so after that absolute cracker of, of an album, um, they released Diesel in Dust in 1985, I think it was. 87. 87. So in between Red Sails and The Sunset was released. Oh, yeah. There was... In 84, that went to number one, their first number one in Australia. And what was on that? Um... That one, a lot of their earlier albums, I must admit, I didn't recognize anything on the first three, I think. Oh, right. I know a few uh, off the... F- not the first album. I don't think I know any of the tracks, but the second one, and that's probably in part because uh, I've got the greatest hits. hits. Yeah. But uh, off Red Sails, it's got When the Generals Talk. Yes, that's a great one, actually. Which I th- I'm pretty sure is one of the when tracks the with, uh, it sounds like a different band almost, that one. Yeah. That's well, he's singing in a higher Her- octave. Well, I, I think that's Hearst, the drummer, singing. Is he singing? I think oh, so. What he, sings a few- he sings another track on that album, which is my favourite song of theirs, Kosciuszko. Yes, that's a great, that's a great song. That's also Hearst, I'm pretty what sure. What else is on that album? Where's- uh, Best of both worlds. That one. Oh probably yeah, yeah. Know. Where's um, where's like King of the Mountain sit? Uh, that K- might be my favorite oil song. Is that? But I think that's a lot later. Well, I don't know or if it, it's, or it's later. It's off. It's not a lot later. It's off the album after Diesel and Dust. Oh, there it's you off go. Blue Sky Mining from nineteen ninety. Oh yeah, God, that would another be a number cracking. one album. So there's, I mean, there's just they got a string. They yeah, got a pretty they, strong string here. They've done all right. <laughs> they've done all right. The fellas done bloody bloody fucking all right. Um, but back to Diesel and Dust. Um, so they went, it went number one on the Australian album charts for six weeks. It went number one, uh, number 21 on the Billboard 200s in 88, number 19 on the UK album charts. Uh, Beds Are Burning was their biggest international hit single peaking at number six and number 17, uh, number six in Australia, 17 in the Billboard Hot 100, six on the UK singles. Uh, and then the rest of their albums, uh, landed uh, the rest of the singles. Sorry, landed pretty high as well under the top in the top twenties. Um, and then I just found a couple of cool facts about uh, the album itself. So the album was a concept album designed around the struggles of Indigenous Australians and environmental issues, uh, which is two narratives that the band really focused on in a lot in their songwriting. Uh, it was the last album that Peter Gifford, the bassist, um, contributed to. Uh, and his base on Beds Are Burning is just oh. top bloody notch. Chugga, 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 chugga. Yes, it is. We'll hear that soon. Um, they requested that all royalties for The Dead Heart, uh, the single, be directed towards Indigenous communities. Um, it reached top four in Australia. It reached four in Australia and cracked the hot hundred in both US and UK. Um, this one I found super, super interesting. Um, the album cover for Diesel and Dust features the Burra Homestead uh, located in South Australia and was uh, shot by Australia's most acclaimed landscape photographer, Ken Duncan. And mm-hmm. if you don't know who Ken Duncan is, it's very, very likely that you've seen his pictures in hotels, in motels, in any public building pretty much because uh, he takes absolutely fantastic shots and they're just absolutely fucking everywhere. Yeah, right. Um, so that that's pretty – I thought that was really, really cool. Um, it's a and- great photo, great cover. Yeah, they do so great good. album covers. They do, They're and all they've really they've been album. nominated and won a few album cover art uh, awards too. Uh, and the last fun fact that I saw, which I think is going to lead into your review, is uh, in 1989, Rolling Stone ranked Diesel and Dust as the number 13th best album of the 80s, which was a fair accomplishment considering how widely respected Rolling Stone is. Yeah, yeah, 
Pretty so, much. I say that pretty fair. <laughs> yeah. I think, I mean, it, yeah, depending on who you talk to probably. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, it's obviously, it's one of the biggest rock publications in the world, though, that's yeah. for sure. So in Australia, it as well went seven times platinum, three times platinum in Canada, two times platinum in Switzerland. Switzerland. It went uh, platinum in the United States and gold in Sweden and the UK. Wow. So it really did break around the world. There's a video that I haven't seen for a while, but it's, um, I think it's them playing in New York City or something like that. Oh, out the front of the Exxon building? Yes, that's yep. right. Yep. And they stopped traffic. And I'm like, and I, by the time I got into them, I I just thought much like Cold Chisel, they never really broke in America. But mm. So seeing that, I was like, holy shit, they, yeah, were, they, they actually, were a big deal. They did good. <laughs> for a little while. I think maybe some Americans would see, see or think of them as like a one-hit wonder. Yeah, Americans who are old enough to remember, that is. Um, so, yeah, that's interesting because here they're legends and yeah. icons but uh, with so many hits. But, so, yeah, um, yeah inter- interesting that they did break through uh, really around the world, uh, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, all right, well, let me read this article that is attached to their 13th placing. Uh, it says Midnight Oil, Diesel and Dust. 13, so it came in. Uh, one behind public enemies, it takes a nation of millions to hold us back, which is such an iconic album. And Elvis Costello and the Attractions come in at number 11 as well. I think a few albums that I think might be coming up in Ooh, this uh, top 20 will be yep. on there as well. So when that happens, I'll definitely read out the uh, read out the, the reviews. reviews. Anyway, so Good one. Says the next time you hear some rock star moaning about life on the road, think of this album and the remarkable tour that inspired it. In the summer of 1986, which is actually winter down under, the Australian rockers and political activists of Midnight Oil packed amplifiers, sleeping bags, and good intentions into a caravan of four wheel drives uh, and embarked on a concert tour of remote Aboriginal settlements in the Northern Territory. Hey, do you know that? It's actually winter down under. Hey. <laughs> Summertime is winter time. That's so weird how it's backwards. It's, ups- it's, it's upside it's, down down it there. It is. We are upside down, aren't we? Are we not on the roof? Hey, we're putting down under on top. <laughs> I was in some ad for Aussie uh, burgers or something. Uh, Oi, Prime Minister. <laughs> the members of the band ate grubs and wallaby meat and played on makeshift stages under chilly night skies for audiences huddled around campfires. They also witnessed firsthand the extreme poverty, cultural devastation, and spiritual resilience of the island continent's original settlers. The oil's 60... It's funny, I don't think of Indigenous Australians as settlers because they've been been here here for for 60,000 plus years. I think there's evidence now of over 100. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So calling them settlers, yeah, it's weird to refer as... I mean, I mean, when this was written, I guess they the evidence wouldn't have gone so far back, but still. Well, only uh, 20 years prior to that review, they were not considered people, weren't they? That was 67 was the referendum. Yes. Uh, and Australia, listen to Flora and Fauna. We've yep. got a fucked history yep. here. Yes, we do. Um, which goes on. Uh, anyway, the, and so does the article. They also <laughs> witnessed firsthand the extreme poverty, cultural devastation, and spiritual resistance. Oh, I've just read that fucking line. I'll take that out. (laughs) The oil's awe and anger came pouring out in Diesel and Dust, an album caked with outback grit and charged with hard rock moxie and melodic savvy. Contrasting images of Aboriginal desperation and determination with the ruins of white manifest destiny, 
Diesel and Dust is a site-specific document rooted in the basic theme of a man's inhumanity to man. The Oil's Odyssey had started a couple of years earlier when the request of a teacher friend, they played to 300 Aborigines at a settlement near Darwin. It made a great it made a greater impact on us than playing in New York or to audiences of 30,000 people anywhere, lead singer Peter Garrett told an Australian reporter in 1986. The more we toured overseas, the more the desire grew to get out with the Aborigines and learn more about our own country. Shortly before the tour, Midnight Oil was commissioned to write a song for a documentary about the return of a sacred tribal site, Ayers Rock or Uluru. God, I haven't heard it be called Ayers Rock for the a, Aboriginal name. a yeah. long time. I'm reading the article. I mean, we don't say Ayers Rock anymore. It's yeah. A, when was this written again? 89, wasn't 89. it? November 89. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't, I think I knew it only as Ayers Rock growing up. I, I think they, I Uluru think, from the 90s. Yeah, because I very vaguely over. recall it being referred to as Ayers Rock in, in early, early, early primary school, which right. was smack bang mid 90s. And that's, yeah, that you just don't, you don't really hear that anymore. Uh, the band delivered The Dead Heart, a song of ghostly urgency that was a number one hit down under and subsequently became the centerpiece of Diesel and Dust. Also written at the same time was Beds Are Burning, another powerful song about Ayers Rock, Uluru. Uh, appropriately, the band played both songs for its Aboriginal audiences. At one settlement, Kintor, the village elders responded to the oil sincerity by allowing them to participate in a sacred tribal ceremony. Upon yeah. returning to their Sydney home base, the oils wrote the rest of Diesel and Dust and undertook a tour of sweaty local pubs to road test the material before recording it with British producer Warren Livesey. Uh, the resulting album gave the band its first golden al- gold album in America, which now is platinum apparently, as well as a top 20 single, Beds Are Burning. It also fulfilled Midnight Oil's long-standing desire, in drummer Rob Hurst's words, to write Australian music that people overseas could get into and understand which would enlarge their whole vision of Australia past Vegemite sandwiches and kangaroo hops. <laughs> Good for them. Yeah. I wonder if it, yeah, I wonder if that had a, much of a lasting Im, um, impact. Hmm. I wonder, yeah, because it still feels like there's a bit of that. The <laughs> international idea of Australia is, g'day, mate, Vegemite. Yeah, knifey spoony before. <laughs> Um, is that the end of that article? That's the end of that article. So, because yes. um, I, I also read that and then found some other comments about it. So there were concerns initially about uh, Midnight Oil's to express uh, attempts to express Indigenous issues to white urban audiences, uh, namely with the question, "Who holds the power to tell whose history?" Um, with like the Dead Heart, for example, the lyrics tell of the story of colonialization from an Indigenous point of view, uh, but some critics felt they reinforced the primitive stereotype. Um, and The Dead Heart, as you mentioned earlier, had been written in response to a request by organi- the organisers of the 1985 ceremony to return control of Uluru uh, back to its Indigenous t- caretakers, uh, so to the mob of that area, um, whose name I can't remember off the top of my head right now. Um, and Midnight Oil had originally resisted uh, in releasing it, arguing that it would be more appropriate for an Indigenous band to release a signal, a single um, but the organisers insisted, arguing that the band would reach, reach a wider audience within the predominantly Caucasian urban centres. Uh, and that's that's why Midnight Oil ended up wanting the all proceeds from the Dead Heart single to go to right. back to those organisers, I believe. Um, and then on top of all of that, they had two Indigenous groups, uh, Warumpi Band and Gondwana Land, uh, tour with them for that album, I believe. Yeah. Was that the Black Fella, White Fella tour? Yeah. Yes. 
I think this is the most political uh, episode we've had. Not that we're arguing about anything, but it's certainly the most um, politically driven band and album for sure. Yeah, Sports was not a very (laughs) political album from (laughs) Huey. Although there is one track about a returned (laughs) returned Vietnam vet. Oh, true, of course. Uh, But, yeah, this is definitely more, well, not more. This is, you know, it is just. Political. This is political. Full stop. Yeah, I mean, there's some Don Walker and some of his Cold Chisel songs are political in their way. Mm. Well, K San was a Vietnam vet's return story, wasn't it? Yeah, I think there are. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's plenty of um, uh, political underlines. Yeah, I always think of Cold Chisel more, more of or more Don's t- uh, writing, especially is like more of a social commentary. Yeah, which I think you know it depends. I mean, political's got such a broad yeah correct definition so it just depends on you know there's the overtly political stuff that Minaro gets more into yeah uh. mother's day is around the corner find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from blue nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones blue nile has something she'll adore need it fast most items can ship overnight plus enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Uh, anyhow, let, do you want to go through some of these tracks? Absolutely. fucking Speaking of Cold I Chisel, I think the opening track of this is probably, what do you think of when you think of their big song, their iconic song, I, Oils? I think the absolute cum thumper. Beds burning. Yeah, I think to me, so Cold Chisel's song that most will first um, think of is K San, and yep. I think Beds Are Burning is their sort of K San. Um, Power and the Passion's probably that's a good one. The other one that I think of, but um, anyway, that's what kicks off this album. Beds Are Burning with that chugging uh, bassline we were talking about before. What a way to kick off an album! Is that real horns or synthy horns? It's a proper chug. It's a big start to the album. There, I, I don't know if there's been a bigger album opener. Yeah, right. Wow. Than this, big call. Because it's not a, it's so, it's more of a groove than a just a straight out fast rock. A bit of some sort of folk cowbell there. Yep, love that. You know how I feel about cowbell. Oh, yeah. I love. I got a fever. Yeah. Walk out well, please. Also, thank you for all of the lovely comments saying, please keep singing. <laughs> I got self-conscious about it last episode or the one before. But everyone supports it, so you are welcome. You'll get more of it. Give, Give it, it back. back. Oh, yeah. So this is, this is a track that they played at the... Sydney Olympics, and they were decked which out is, in so, with sorry written all over them. Which is, oh my goodness, that's... Because at that time, um, Australia still hadn't officially apologised. No, that wasn't until 2008, so. which was when I was in year 12 and we got sat down to watch it. Um, uh, so that's the opening track. The next one is Put Down That Weapon. It's another one I... This, so the first three tracks in this album I was very familiar with before listening to it. This one I think I'd heard before, but I, I couldn't. I couldn't remember if it was 
if I knew it or not. I think a lot of these comment. songs have got a... I mean, it, it does sound somewhat 80s. I think it's mainly maybe in the drum sound, but it's kind of, it feels pretty timeless as well. Uh, yeah, I know I, I just contradicted myself there, but... <laughs> I mean, the fact that I I would have guessed this was... Well, it doesn't sound... It doesn't sound super 80s. It doesn't sound super 90s. No. It doesn't sound super anything. No, it just sounds like midnight oil. The next one I would call probably the biggest cum thumper on the album. I did not know... I knew this song, didn't know what the song was called. So when I looked at the track for the first time, I was like, I don't know what this is. And then it started and... Uh, and the song, Dream World. it's uh, about the... This is a cracking song. See, this sounds more tune. 80s to me than... Right. But still cracker. Um, it is, was written in response uh, to the... Queensland jo- so that, Job, Job, Job Yorkie-Peterson, thank you, state government that basically was just pulling down a whole bunch of everything right. to well, make way for townhouses. That um, I've been to that pub that he mentioned at the Breakfast Cloud. Creek Hotel. Oh, have you? Yeah. Cool. Um, there's also one about uh, so it's, Cloudland it's Dance Hall. Oh, that I've been to was... Cloudland as well. Ah, the so big, like, it looks like a yeah. big, yeah. I wonder if it, oh, interesting. I didn't realise well, it went back that far. Apparently, apparently it got torn down or was threatened to be torn down. Um, oh, no, it was. It was demolished and they didn't even make, uh, they didn't even take out any of the decorations and ship them inside. They pretty much just drove the bingos oh. straight through it. Love this song. Love Brisbane. Brisbane's, uh, I don't know what it was like back then, but these days it's, uh, it's a sick city. Uh, mm-hmm. Then it. The next couple I did not know at all. I I kind of pair these up, but to me it feels like they go in pairs. They go. They yeah, go together. So I totally feel. I you. imagine this first one, Arctic World, track four, is probably your least favorite on the album. It's the slowest. It's yeah. It's it's it's, it's real slow. It's a uh, it's a real yeah. It's I feel like the first three just goes pretty goes bang bang bang, and then this takes it right down a notch to start building up tension again. Yeah, well, yeah, because there are some bangers coming up. Uh, but this song is about mining and oil drilling in Greenland and Alaska. Okay. Um, and it was meant to bring attention to the harmful effects that these activities have on the environment. Peter Garrett did climate change before it was cool. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Not anymore. So it, I mean, it, it, it goes along basically that pace. It's a slight build. And then it clicks over into Warakuna, which it, it just, it does feel like this is the two pair up very nicely as songs. I don't know, um, thematically, I'm not sure, but do you know what this one's about? Yes, I do. Um, so back in the day, some old mate, classic old mate, uh, called Lassiter. Oh, um, yeah, Lassiter's gold. Yes. That, that I did an episode bloke. of Do Go On about it. Oh, did you? Yeah. Sick. I'll listen to that later. So this song's about that. Yeah. So it's it's basically got the idea that his, um, his elusive gold reef in the desert 
uh, became legendary, but he died from a failed expedition, right? Yeah. Uh, And this song is about how, hypothetically, if he was right, Lassiter posed uh, a threat in terms of more whites, more disease, alcohol, more pressure for Indigenous people to get off their land because of how valuable the ground would be to white people. Um, I don't know what the exact line is. This not since Lassiter no was here. Palace. Yeah, uh, not since Lassiter was here, black men's got a lot to fear, and right. that was what that reference is. Harold, obey it, Harold. Uh, and then it, so it builds. There you go. Yeah, builds. That's not, so those two together, it's just like a slow build up to. It does. Pretty, pretty nice crescendo. Yep. To. And then the next track I is maybe it's got to be one of the all-time bangers. I reckon. The Dead Heart. So, um, so this is the one you're talking about that was released prior to the album coming out. It was written and released maybe even prior to the album coming out. Yep. Um, and it is yeah, it is sort of that slightly uncomfortable thing of it being sung first person from the perspective of Indigenous Australians from mm. a, but a white band singer. But from what you say... It was it was encouraged, but the people that he kind of wrote it for uh, encouraged, who, who were Indigenous mob, encouraged them to release it because it would it would spread the word. Splash. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also find it ironic that a lot of uh, right-wingers who, similarly to Cold Chisel uh, right-wingers, who, you know, think of it as real pub rock, hard rock, Australiana kind of stuff... Uh, but this this music and this song especially is very much about uh, how white man has destroyed Australia and in the Indigenous communities. Right. But well, they'll proudly sing it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, there are being right wing doesn't I don't think necessarily rules out the fact that they might believe in Indigenous rights. That's a good point. But and but it, I mean, you know, sometimes it is more ironic than others. John Howard, who was really dragged his feet oh. on that side of things. Uh, when Garrett was getting into politics, someone asked him what his favourite Howard, what his favourite Midnight Oil song was, and he said, Beds are burning, not realising. <laughs> let's give it back. Let's give. <laughs> yeah, all literally, the ruin, the let's land give back. it back. Time to pay the rent. Oh, but, um, Lordy. Yeah, so that I remember that getting a bit of attention. Anyway, so this next one, track six. Very important. Uh, the Dead Heart, absolute banger. Friends are on covered this. Did years they? Later. Yeah. Did they do a good cover? Yeah. I mean, it's um, pretty faithful, sped up a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, slightly pop punkified. Love it. It's one of the great uh, sing alongs without lyrics. Oh, yeah. Love it. Do good do to do. That's a real 80s clap. That is. Sound. I wonder if that references um, 
white man listens to the songs we sing. There's a lot of um, a lot of our main main roads were taken from indigenous songlines, uh, which is the way that uh, different mobs would travel around Australia without physical maps was by song, uh, which were called songlines that would direct them uh, and a lot of times led to water and you know if they were making a long trip it was to safe spaces to eat, safe spaces to um, you know rest, places where there was reliable water. And please correct me if I'm disrespecting this in any way but this is from, from what I've learned through the years so I do wonder if that's a reference to that. Yeah, interesting. Just a fucking banging rock song. Yes. I love that. Is it acoustic guitar up the top? Yeah. So they got they got two guitarists, ah. two lead guitarists, or two sorry, two guitarists uh, and a bass player. So it gives them a more dense sound than a lot of other bands at that time. Yeah. They have, okay. And all apparently all very good, accomplished musicians. As well. Love that. That drums are eighties. Yeah, the real like. Is that the tom tom, the floor tom? In company, Uranium. Uranium company, company, I mean, we we can't play the whole thing, but uh, so then the next one goes on to. Whoa! This is another. Whoa. This is probably another one that you don't love. Been a slower one. That would be correct. Resetting the pace a bit. I really, I like this song. I think it's. It's pretty song. I also couldn't find any information as to what it was about. Pretty consistently at that kind of level. Mm. And then you've got uh, the next one's a real top-down highway rocker, I reckon. Yeah. Aurora. Um, and there was a little bit of um, critical criticism oh, yeah? about the term bullroarer being used. Um, and a bullroarer, uh, which I found the description from the Kalengu Aboriginal Arts Centre, which was a really cool website if anyone wants to check it out. Uh, But a bull roarer is a musical communication and warning device which is made of uh, a thin wooden panel with a string to hold it uh, and have been used in initiation ceremonies and in burials um, for different different meanings. So it was a bit uh, criticised that it was using a ceremonial and sacred uh, item in a rock song. Right. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I, uh, I certainly didn't even... Yeah, 
more good nah nah nahs. Yeah. But I didn't, uh, yeah, I did not um, connect that. In my head, in my I only, I only knew it because I looked it up, what the meaning of the song was. Yeah, right. Oh, that's great. I, um, yeah, in my head, I was thinking it was some sort of a, like a truck or something. That's what, it, that's exactly what I thought. Just some big beast truck that rolls like a bull. <laughs> I was going real literal with it. Uh, the, so track nine is Sell My Soul. Some would say Garrett did when he uh, joined the Labor Party. <laughs> <laughs> Politics. Um, so the guitarist and keyboardist Jim said this song was about Australia's somewhat uneasy alliance with the US. Right. Also, apparently we used to be part of the EU. Is that correct? Don't think so. We used to be part of the EU but got kicked out when the walls went up there. The mean? European Union. Union. That's what it says. I'll look into that further. Jeez, you're, you're coming at us with some big facts. How about you double check them first? <laughs> That'd be think, what a smart person would do, Matt. We're not here for that. You sure you're thinking? You're not thinking of Eurovision? We've been in that. We have been in that. Should we be part of that? That's political. Should Tism have represented us? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's not political. That's just fact. Could you imagine they get up and do something like defecate on my face? Coming up is Australia's Tism. That would have been real good. Uh, and then it, it finishes uh, with Sometimes, which is another top down rocker. This is a real pump up tune as well, I reckon. Mm-hmm. Well, if you ever hit the wall, you just gotta keep going. Just gotta keep bloody going. Uh, to me, this feels like this is a, one of those songs that's like, should have been a hit. I don't think it was ever released as a single, but it feels like it Yeah. It's, see, this I, this is kind of the one that could have gone a little bit more uh, mainstream, I think, just because the music's a bit like fluff, like fluffier without being fluffy. Yeah. Because I definitely wouldn't call it fluffy. But that intro especially was very much... It's a very singable chorus. Also, how fun is it singing Peter Garrett style? It's like singing Tom DeLonge where you can't help but be like, <laughs> and always. And I think he's been compared to Blink-182 much. <laughs> I would hope not. Sometimes. Sometimes. And then there is a, a version of the album that released uh, with a bonus track. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know when it came to be added to the album, but I, worth playing a little bit of because I think it's another cracking tune. It's called Gun Barrel Highway. Highway. It's another sort of see. This got a little radio friendly. There's a little song. chisel to me. Love that bouncy riff. Mm-hmm. I love that. I'll give you something to write home about. 
So this album ended up selling uh, about half a million copies in yeah. Australia. Not bad. And at that time, 1987, Australia's population was 16 million. So one in every 32 people. <laughs> yes. So you imagine like how many households that would be, you know, families of, you know, families were bigger in the 80s. So families of we would five, know. Or, five or six, then, you know, that's like. That's in every two. What are, I don't know. I'm not a magician, but we, we've that's discussed like one before, in maths is not ours. three or four households Pretty would have much. had a copy of it. I love that. So it was a it was Popular. a ubiquitous. Nice. <laughs> I don't think I quite nailed the landing on that word, but I don't know what it means. So it's okay. ubiquitous everywhere. Oh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Sort of album. Um, so yeah, what 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 are your highlight tracks? I mean, we kind oh, of mentioned the way through. So going in, uh, the songs that we knew like the back of our hands. I imagine both of us: "Beds Are Burning," mm-hmm. "Dream World," mm-hmm. "The Dead Heart." Mm-hmm. I also knew "Put Down That Weapon" very well. They're the four I knew. I didn't know any of the other songs. I still love all four of those. Yep. "Dead Heart" is an all time classic. I yes. think "Dream World" is maybe the, the one that um, stands out to me the most going in. But "Beds yep. Are Burning" much like. Kaysan. Yes. I kind of revisited listening to it again. It's just one of those songs I've heard uh, a million times. A million times. So I'd, I'd never seek it out. Yep. But listening to it again. And in context of the whole fresh album. fresh ears. Yep. I think it's just, it's a it's a cracker. It's a that, fucking cum thumper. Yeah. That bass riff is sick. Oh, yeah. But then the new ones to me that um, I really enjoyed, probably especially sometimes, mm-hmm. I'd say. Uh, but yeah, there's a bunch of them that just have that sort of driving sound. Yeah, sometimes Bull Roarer, Gun yeah. Barrel Highway, The Dead Heart, Dream World, Beds Are Burning. They're all songs that all, you just play. Just the album, flying just the down, album. down a highway. Um, Warwick Herner, I really enjoyed. Um, uh, apart from the ones that you'd already mentioned, and Bull Roarer uh, were probably my two like favorite new pickups. Yeah, and sometimes it's just been stuck. Just sometimes, yeah. It's it stuck in the head. Yeah. Um, well, probably, I think someone requested on Twitter, I can't remember who, but one of our great listeners suggested we maybe start a playlist of picking out the 80th songs on each album as we go through and make a playlist of, um, maybe we'll make one with our faves yep. and one with the 80th sounding ones. I don't know what the ooh, 80th sounding ones ooh. on this. You reckon Dreamworld was... Um, was one of the more 80s sounding tunes in there? I this. think so. I think that'll be on both playlists for me then. I also agree, agree. Sweet. So that's something we'll do. And if I get around to doing it before this episode comes out, there'll be a link to it <laughs> in the show notes. Get on board. Uh, and on that on our account, our Listen Now Spotify account, we've also got a bunch of uh, Cold Chisel playlists there if you're keen on them. Um, now, before we get to our rating of 80... Ratey, Ratey, There's something yes. to work with there. Uh, I just want to read out a list of bands who have been quoted uh, as being influenced by Midnight Oil. Okay. Green Day, REM, Pearl Jam, Garbage, The Cranberries, Biffy Clyro, uh, The Crowded House, Powderfinger, Living End, John Butler, DMAs, Tim Friedman, uh, amongst others. And then you got quotes from like Michael Stipe from REM, 
Uh, Peter Garrett is a brilliant songwriter who's able to put himself into and write about any situation. Um, Neil Finn called the guitarist a great guy and an amazing guitar player. Our best mate, Jimmy Barnes, called them one of the greatest bands ever and one of my favorite live bands in the world. Uh, Chris Cheney has reported that he's listened to, or his whole hit band listened to a whole lot of 10987654321 and Red Sails in the Sunset. Uh, and were blown away by their fearlessness in not being shackled to a style, which I thought was pretty sick. Um, they've also inspired poet David ne- uh, Daniel Nestor and paintings by Nicholas Harding, uh, and covers of their songs have been done by Pearl Jam uh, and Eddie Vedder when he was solo, U2, Patti Smith, The Killers, which you might remember from the 2017 oh, grand final. Yeah, that was, that was great. Which was fucking great. That was the Forgotten highlight years. of the... That, yeah, and then Mr. Was... Bryside with Jack Rewalt singing along. That was pretty good. Not that was, lie. yeah. They really, they kind of won me over the Killers uh, that time. They're, yeah. they're one of these sort of bands. They're kind of like one of today's Huey Lewis's where they're sort of an oh, easy, really? bit them. of an easy target, I think, for, yeah. for cool people. Yep. I uh, see that. They sort of shit on them a bit. But Mr. I, Bryside still they got some. I reckon they got some great songs. And um, that version of... Forgotten Years was oh, sick. At the grand, like it just seemed so right. It just yeah. seemed right. Uh, but Brandon Flowers, the singer, said he wished he'd written Forgotten Years. The song touches my heart. Oh, that's cool. And funnily enough, I've just I've been watching a bunch of Huey Lewis clips lately, <laughs> and that off this new album, I think it was the first single off it, has just got a bunch of cameos. It looks like it was recorded in lockdown. You know, it's a lot of people yep. um, shooting themselves around the place, and one of them is Brandon Flowers. Really? Yeah, from the Killers. What a ledge. Um, but also covered them has been Imagine Dragons, Silverchair, Tom Morello as the Night Watchman, Billy Bragg and Anti-Flag. Um, and then they also had a 2001 tribute album called The Power and the Passion. I reckon that was where Friends all Oh, that makes sense. Covered them. Um, and several mainstream rock acts from Australia and New Zealand did covers, which included... Um, Something for Kate, Regurgitator, Grinspoon, Jebediah, Augie March, and She Had, which would be awesome. Uh, and then in 2009, a version of Beds Are Burning was recorded by numerous musicians uh, in protest of global warming and climate change. And that included Duran Duran, Lily Allen, Bob Geldof, Fergie, and Mark Ronson, which I don't know if I ever saw, but that sounds interesting. So I will find a link to that and put it on our socials. Listen now, pod at on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Yeah, people should follow us on all those. Sam's um, working hard this season getting a bunch of stuff out. Trying to get my shit days. together this time. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm, you, I went with the positive sell. You went for negative there, Sam. We got to balance each other out, Matt. Yeah, I'm a real glass half full type. <laughs> and I'm a real glasses broken on the floor type. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm not really that sad. It's cool. We're all cool. Uh, but, yeah, no, I think you've been doing great stuff. On yeah. there, so um, I think uh, yeah, if 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 you want to follow along, and uh, yeah, Sam's putting a bunch of stuff up that's been being referenced in the episodes, which is fun. Yay! Uh, yes, so I guess well, that was cool. I didn't know, I didn't realize how wide their influence was. Yeah. Um, there's another clip I'd love you to put out if you have a chance. Mm. Is one of their any of the songs from uh, their live on Goat Island? Was uh, that only was put on by Double J? Was that only recently, or was that one that was, was in the eighties? I think oh, it was in the eighties. Think it was, was in the late. Was that one recently? I uh, I don't know if they've played. Oh, have they? Have they know. been playing? They might have started playing live together just before. Just making some shit up as they, we go. They have done some dates, I think. 
but we'll find out. Yeah, but yeah, though no, this one was. What was it? Live Goat it was Island. Pl- yeah, so it was in on this little island in the Sydney Harbour. So Sydney Harbour Bridge oh. behind it, and they play at twilight. So the set starts in sunlight, ends in the night. That's awesome. It's an amazing. Yeah, it's been played on ABC a few times. Yeah, I'm sure it's got to be up online somewhere. I'll find it. But, yeah, definitely I would it's recommend that. Thing. So good. And uh, you just Rob Hurst is just a beast on the drums. Is he? Yeah. What's the song that's got the really long drum solo in the middle? Uh, it's and Power it, and the Passion, I think, with yeah, all the different drum yeah, sound effects. Yeah, and it effects. sounds like he's doing, like, pots and pans yeah. and bloody everything, and it sounds pa- oh, excellent. Should I find it quickly? Yes. Yes. Um, will you talk for a second while I find it? Um, well, yes, as I said, uh, follow us on all of the socials. Listen to our pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, and if you want to write into us for letters to Alan or Alan's mailbag, whatever we've, we've called it these days, uh, our email is listennowpod at gmail.com. All right, I'm going to have to skip around to find it. It's going to be about two thirds, I reckon. Oh, oh. Yeah, I've nailed it. There we go. Let's get. Oh, Jesus. It's longish. <laughs> it's long. Just picture him walking around the room, kitchen sink. Yeah, this sounds <laughs> Pulls good. out a machine gun. <laughs> <laughs> that bit especially. There's firecrackers going off the floor. Does the film clip actually show him playing? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think I'm I re- remember it like I'll an outside. I'll see if I can find it and post it. Power and passion drum solo. Also, something important I feel like we haven't mentioned is Peter Garrett's dancing. Matt's doing a drum solo. Nailed it. Uh-uh. <laughs> uh, yeah, Fuck, Peter, so Peter Garrett was very known for a, uh, a specific dance style, which Matt yeah, is attempting became like, to... Yeah, it became quite hacky yeah. <laughs> for uh, people to parody it. <laughs> I feel like Kath and Kim kind of based some of their dancing off that. Oh, that's great. great show, by it's the way. great stuff. He just I'll goes all in. I love that all in... It's a, it's a full it's a full dancing. body yeah. full body motion. Sort of shoulders are doing yeah, a lot doing of the work, the, pivoting the at the shoulders. Bottom half of Let, the body is not doing. Letting the arms flail. The yeah, oh, it's a real flail. That's great. It's sick. I feel like off. if he had really long hair, it would it be even more exaggerated. But in some ways, having no hair is equally exaggerated. Yes. He's um yeah, great dancer, just great live band. Yes. Hot tip. They're so good. Well, that brings us into the rating time. Yes. Which I, I kind of regret even starting this rating thing because <laughs> when we were doing it for Cold Chisel, it was hard, but at least you were just comparing the band to themselves. Yes. This feels way stupider. Yes. <laughs> well, I Correct. Mean, that, which in, that in itself, that word describes itself, stupider. Yep. It's uh, <clears throat> sillier, more silly. Yep. Anyway, so... Um, I'm going to say I think this is my favourite album that we've done so far. I agree. Although I've loved them all and, yes. and they're all so different. Yes. It's it's funny, before we did this in my head, I sort of had this 80s as one thing idea, you know, that 80s <laughs> yeah. sound, 80s, the big 80s pop rock sound, it's all the same. Yep. And these three albums are so different from each other. Um, but I'm going to say I'm going to give this a 72. Ooh, I'm going to put it in a 70. I'm going to give it a 70. All Losing right. points purely for the two slow songs that I <laughs> yep. am just permanently biased against. Yeah, they they do take a little bit more effort to go into. Arctic Arctic World uh, took me a while. I, is that what it's called, Arctic World? I think so. Yeah, Arctic World, it took me 
it's like I say, I listened to the album 20 times. Yep. I reckon it was on the 18th where I was really starting <laughs> it clicked. to click into my mind. Nice. Um, anyone written into the letters to Alan Bag? Yes. There have what been do we call this couple, thing again? I can't remember. It's the Letters to letters Alan. Bag to letters Alan. to Alan. Just, let, well, just the song name. Just the chisel that, song that name. That was Letters, letters to, to Alan, Alan, wasn't it? Yeah. I can't remember this. I, th- I think we were calling it Letters Bag to Alan or something uh, like that. But, yeah, Letters to Alan. We should simplify. Letters, letters with Alan and it, yeah. Um, so we've got one from uh, Nicholas Fuster. Uh, G'day, loving the second season of the pod, eagerly awaiting every episode. Thank you very much, Nicholas. Uh, nonetheless, your suggestion of having a season of only boy bands is unfortunately flawed. Human nature have only released 13 studio <laughs> albums and every other boy band pales in comparison, uh, ensuring a rather <laughs> short season. <laughs> uh, human uh, nature fan. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. Imagine following up Vegas, Songs from Sin City, with something like Backstreet's Back. That would be jarring, to say the least. <laughs> All right, you've convinced me we won't do a boy band season. Maybe one episode. Well, no, I think he's, I think he's made a good point there. All right, fine, Cheers, we'll Nick. do a human nature season. <laughs> Could you imagine? Uh, now, Nick was one of the people who requested that we don't spoil the, uh, the album during the episode. So as we said earlier, listen for the very, very end if you want to know what next week's episode will be about and we'll find out then. Uh, otherwise, turn it off after we say goodbye. Um, and what else did he say? He said, if you were ever looking to go back for a single band season, Silverchair would be a great option. Five of the most interesting albums uh, I've listened to with clear and distinct differences from each new edition. Love yeah. the show. Thanks for your efforts. That could definitely be cool. That and would be cool. Um, I love I love the idea of a five album series. Yeah, <laughs> nice and short. Do it um, on a solid day. Let's do one a couple of beers. Jeff Buckley. Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. <gasps> Savage Garden. Joy Division. Two albums. Uh, and we Jeez, also you're pushing us towards. It. We're pushing in different directions. I feel. Yes, but also midnight oil. Let's meet. We're in our. How many albums the... have they had? They've had a few there, was... but not. Uh, maybe, what have they had, seven or eight? No, it's more than that. Oh, no, it is definitely more than that, obviously, because this was their sixth album. Yep. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. <laughs> Sorry, ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, nice. three, two, one is uh, one of their albums. No, so, yeah, they've got, got what did I say, eleven? Oh, that's not so. Midnight I mean, it's, oil, it's not cold chisel. Head injuries, plays without a postcard, ten, nine, eight, seven, six. Uh, five, four, three, two, one. Red Sails, Diesel and Dust, Blue Sky Mining, Earth and Sun and Moon, Breathe, Redneck Wonderland, Capricornia. So that's nice. their 11. Yeah, okay. Well, okay, okay. Um, and we got another letter from Finn McIlvana, and I'm sorry if I just fucked that up. Sup, hunks. Girls can be hunks too. Thanks, mate. Thank you so much. That's what he said. He said girls can be hunks. That's not me adding my own shit in. Anyway, great pod, of course. All that jazz. I always enjoy Matt's blind positivity towards songs that other, (laughs) i.e. pesky journalists, will rag on, especially when the songs aren't that great. Like what you like. (laughs) I'm a a fan of uh, positivity. Love that. Uh, Sam should never worry about singing along to songs when they're playing on the pod. If people want to listen to songs without Sam singing along, they can do that some other time. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it's lovely to hear people enjoying themselves to distract from the fact that nobody ever enjoys anything anymore, ever. Hey. Except for me enjoying this pod. And me enjoying every song. Yay. <laughs> Which isn't isn't strictly true, but... It's, I mean, it's I think you've mostly. got it once It's you, like 98 points. Once you figure yeah. out my language, <laughs> I sort of damn things by faint praise, yep. you know. 
I, I like this means that it's probably not one I like that much, but I love this. That means I like it. Yeah. I fucking love this. <laughs> I really like it. And that's an absolute This is the best song of all time. This is a really good song. I'm, I will. I'm confused. I will kill for this song. <laughs> now we're getting into greatest of all time. That pretty much means that you would actually. I've kill just for made this up song. that system now. But it's pretty accurate. Is that I'd about say. right? Uh, he finishes. Glad you two committed to an entire second season. Can't wait for the rest of the episodes. Thumper of cum, Finn. <laughs> what a cum thumper. On ya, Finn. Um, so that's the the mailbag has been closed for today. Awesome. So uh, yeah, if people want to. Send in emails. They can do it at listennowpod at gmail.com. And, you know, your odds of getting read out are very good. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, Matt, where can people find you apart from at all of the socials that I've listed multiple times? Listen now everywhere. Oh, my personal ones are Matt Stewart Comedy on Instagram and Facebook and Matt Stew underscore art on Twitter. And, yeah, my website's mattstewartcomedy.com. Do you have a website? Have we, I feel like we've had this conversation before. I'm having yeah, you're, and I think deja you're, you're like, wow, you know, yeah, you've made pe- it, man. That's can, legit. People can have websites. That's this. This will have amazing. it, but we're revamping the Do Go On podcast website, and so there'll be a listen now page on there. Cute, love that. Happens. So we'll also, Do Go On is one of Matt's other podcasts that I don't think we've spruced a whole lot this season. Yeah, well, people should listen to it, especially um, if we've done a bunch of music bios. There's been some crossovers yeah, in, in terms of topics. And Sam did an episode about Jimmy Barnes, My the best mate. lead singer from Cold Chisel. But also if you're interested in hearing the story of Lassiter's Gold and yeah. what, what a farce <laughs> that was from memory, um, there's an episode on that. A lot of um, adventures, other Aussie stories like Burke and Wills uh, oh, talked yeah. about the birth of Aussie Wills football Nice. Uh, in an early episode. So, yeah, and also lot. there's a St Kilda episode. There's not a, no, not yet. It's I'm, basically I'm building to that. So there's heaps of <laughs> waiting for another flag first. Lots of different sort of episodes. I did. I did one about Bigfoot, and they're just sort of pretty well researched. Um, much like Sam's little buyers, only spread out over an hour and a half. Significantly more in depth research. Yeah, <laughs> facts have been checked. Yeah, we try to check the facts and use multiple <laughs> sources and all that sort of stuff. And I do that with my friends Jess and Dave, and it is a lot of fun if you are interested in that sort of stuff. Uh, the where can, episode they, yeah, that where I can did, they find you for that, by the way? Like, so that's just uh, Do Go On Pod on all social medias. And if you just search Do Go On Podcast in your podcast catcher, you should find it there. This uh, most recent episode, I did a report on diamonds and how they're a bit of a, a, bit of a scam, sort of. Oh. Which I knew nothing of. It was very fascinating. It's kind of about the this company, De Beers, who found huge diamond mines in uh, in South Africa and ended up just creating the modern idea of the engagement ring and that sort of stuff. What the fuck? We created a pure marketing. It's pretty oh, I, amazing. I listened to that on my drive home today. Yeah, it blew my mind. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so, yeah, <laughs> so that's something you can try out. But, yeah, there's all sorts of topics. Anyway, enough about Do Go On. This is the Listen Now podcast. So we'll tell you what uh, – well, I'll tell Sam what we're doing next yes. week after the music. So listen all the way to the end if you want to. It's a bit of a Marvel Universe type thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's always Iron Samuel Man L. Jackson comes out Samuel there. Samuel L. Jackson will come <laughs> in and he'll let, he'll let us know what next week's album is. Excellent. Uh, but, yeah, is there anything else we need to say beyond that? I think there's only one thing to say after that. You, what's your oh. Instagram? Oh, mine's club.mao, M-A-O-W, and it's just pretty much pictures of my fat-ass cat. 
And yeah, links to most of that stuff will be in the show description if you don't have a pen and paper handy. <laughs> anyway, that doesn't leave us with anything else to say, but goodbye, Astrid. Goodbye. podcast is part of the planet broadcasting network visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates i mean if you want it's up to you so sam um i'm iron man uh, <laughs> i'm just dropping into this cafe to let you know that uh, your mission next week if you choose to accept it is to talk about the van halen album oh! from 1984 is it's- it also named 1984 <laughs> No, it's called oh, Greatest Hits Part One. No, ah. it is. It is. It is 1984. Yes, excellent. Oh, some of my favorite songs are on that album. Oh, great. So you know it pretty well. I um, it's not too far different from this Midnight Oil album. I knew I knew three tracks very well. Nice. Off it. Three of their big hits are on it, and uh, nothing else of it. So looking forward to getting into that next week. All right. Uh, so we'll see you then. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.